What up, party people? It's your boy Tommy G here with episode 45 of the No Mercy podcast. A little special edition for you guys so you get it all in one. I brought the alcoholic and Jeff Manns onto the same podcast. So we covered gambling, DFS, and your Twitter questions all in one pod. We started off talking about a betting perspective, looking back at last week, takeaways from last week's games, uh, even talked a little bit about stuff we see going forward, like with Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and some guys who disappointed in the first round, whether we think this was an aberration or something we should be worried about going into next year. Uh, went heavy into the divisional round, spent tons of time talking about each game individually, where we saw them. Rob gave his projections, talked about our predictions on the totals, on the games, even game score predictions for every game. Then in the second half of the pod, we kicked Rob off. Me and Jeff did our normal DFS breakdown, went position by position from a DFS perspective, talked about how to hedge long shot props that we gave you guys earlier, answered Twitter questions, talked a little chaos and conspiracy at the end, covered pretty much everything on this pod. So uh, you should be able to make tons of money off the information you have here. So without further ado, hit it, Miyagi. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? Let's get weird. It's your boy, Tommy G, here with a special edition of the No Mercy podcast. Today, I am joined by two complete Neanderthals instead of each of them separately. We have a big weekend of football coming. We're going to talk some DFS. We're going to talk some gambling. We're going to talk some props. So I figured instead of you guys having to listen to two podcasts, we're going to merge it into one. And first, I would like to introduce the normal Wednesday host, who is the Vanilla Gorilla, Jeff Manns. What up, Jeff? Yay! What's up, everybody? Let's get different! <laughs> some mercy. Some mercy. Remember, some mercy. Just a some little. Some mercy. Just and... The third party, our first ever threesome, is the alcoholic. What up, Rob? You little fucktard. This is the absolute nightmare of a threesome I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be interesting. I have Who no idea. Who the vagina this of this group? Rob. Oh, Tommy. No, Tommy. <laughs> I'm the vagina? Absolutely. First of all, we both know Jeff is definitely the vagina. Oh. <laughs> I, pink. I, I resemble pink. him. Yeah, he's, he's the closest to being pink. If he's in Arizona and he laid in the sun, he'd be pink. As I, I talk, mentioned. Yeah, but you talk way more about sucking dicks than I do. Right, which makes me the dick. No, <laughs> you're sucking about them. They're going in your mouth, though. That's different. And then I'm, I'm a gay dick. Okay. Well, right? I, I, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it's definitely Jeff because Jeff is uh, right. the most hairless. Oh, that's true. We don't that's have true. much hair. This is true. I, I think it's I Jeff. Right, I'm, just, I, I'm sure there's some Asian in me somewhere. Like, I am positive. I'm good at math, and I drive like shit, and I'm hairless. So I guarantee my mom probably messed around with an Asian fella. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, that happened. Like, I'm not going near ancestry because I, it's going to fuck everything I know up. You're too tall, dude. You're way too tall oh. to be Asian. Well, maybe Kenneth Lee. Well, Kenneth, Kenneth Lee, Lee, Godzilla. That's true. Maybe, maybe it was uh, Kenneth some, Lee. Something's going on. Oh, anyway, what we're going to do on the over-under on words for me is on this podcast. Oh, hopefully very little, very little. You can see me and Jeff actually trying to, like, let you in for a half second, and then when you don't come, we just keep talking. So you better be quick because if you don't speak, we're just going to run right through you because we despise dead air. So That's fine. Just, just yell or I would say raise your hand, but we can't see you. 
But what we're going to do on this pod, we're going to talk about gambling, DFS, the whole nine. The reason we wanted to do it in one shot was because there's a couple props, which uh, Mr. Handicapper himself now, Jeff Manns, has put out. And we were talking about how to hedge those props. So being that one or two of the props were his, we decided to invite him onto the gambling side. So, Jeff, you are being christened. This is your baptism into handicapping now. I like it. Do I have to be dipped in water? Yeah, we're going to dip you. We're going to drown you. We're never going to let you back up. And then what I think we'll do is right when we go to talk DFS, we'll just kick Rob the fuck out. (laughs) You're You're an awful human being. How do you feel about that, Rob? It's fine. I've actually volunteered for that. (laughs) <laughs> Rob's like, I don't need to be here. <laughs> Rob's like, I got a kid's baseball game in like 35 minutes, so that works. <laughs> so much better. Anyway, so Rob, let's start with you since you're going to talk the least. What was your take on this weekend's NFL games? I fucking loved it. it I murdered this weekend's NFL games. I had one play, really, uh, the Seahawks and the Chargers teaser, and it was just an easy, easy win. Did any teaser lose? No. No, I talked to a bookmaker, a friend of mine, uh, Monday morning, and they, they got bludgeoned. Like, literally all the teasers hit, so the books just bled out. And, and I called this a week or two before we went to it. I said, guys, when the playoffs come, we are going to be smashing every form of teaser we could find. Because I think it was on the, the show with me, you, and Cheetah we talked yeah, about it too, Rob. Right. Where it's like, me and Kevin talked about this two years ago, how easy betting teasers in is the playoffs because, one, the lines are sharper. And some books don't even accept them. Like, some books won't even let you tease playoff games uh, at certain spots in Vegas. I know there was one, I forget what the name of it was, but one that came out, um, I forget, I think it was Koken or someone who tweeted about it, that after day one, they stopped accept, accepting teasers for day two. So we wow. teased these games every way up, down, and sideways and nailed all of them. So that was that was nice. Uh, Mans, how was your weekend? Uh, marginal. It was, it was an up and down roller coaster for me. It was, you know, from a betting standpoint, I think I was literally four and four, if I'm not mistaken. I might have been five and four or four and five or whatever. So it was in the middle, and my heart was broken with Cody Parkey hitting the upright. I got to watch uh, one game. Right. First time in eight years I've watched a game, an NFL game, as an actual fan and not an analyst, and that pretty much shattered my soul. So uh, back to be an analyst. Uh, hey, Jeff, was it – did it – how much did it hurt worse because he made the first one? Um, a lot. Well, it's like this. I, uh, that, I don't know. I don't know if that was worse or better. It's hard to say. But what really bothers me is, like, why they blew – I always think about why they fucked around on the previous two plays. Like, why they throw that bomb. If, if, that, if they get one yard closer, that's in. The yeah. ball's in. I mean, you don't hit the upright. It's, it's inside the upright. One yard makes all the difference, and nobody talks about that kind of stuff. It's why you get as close as you possibly can for these fuckers, especially at Soldier Field where the wind will swirl any minute of the day. You get as close as possible. So when they're like, oh, 47 yards, yeah, that's it. No, we don't need another inch. That's fine. No, it's not a – you don't know what can happen with the, in Soldier Field when that ball gets above the stadium. So I think they really misfired on the previous two plays. Not uh, They call the timeout too early. And they they waited too long to down it, so I think they fucked up that game that way. But uh, it, it was pretty devastating. Yeah, happen? it's it's funny too because these teams always settle in the forties, and mm-hmm. it's like, have you not watched the fucking extra points this year? Have you not seen yeah. that you could be inside of forty yards and they will still miss them consistently? That every yard or two matters. It drives me fucking insane when I see shit like that. Just I, I have no idea. But just to kind of give a quick recap, uh, Colts Texan. I know uh, we were on the Colts' money line, a bunch of us. I had that pretty big. Oh, yeah. 
that was a nice one. Any takeaways from there, Jeff? Anything are you worried about D Watson going forward? Is there anything that you take yeah. out of this or just it was a, it was a fluke. Um not worried about Watson, not worried about Hopkins. Hopkins, you had the lock button this week and Kuti got it all. So Sharp DFS players got the Kuti. I was not one of those people, but I you know, I think it was uh I'm not worried about them going forward. I'm more excited about the Colts. Colts you know, Colts did their work. They came into the game ready to go. And if they show that kind if they have that kind of start against Kansas City, it will be a pretty competitive ball game. Yeah. Uh, Rob, Seahawks, Cowboys, 24-22 Cowboys. Um, I was a little shocked by that. I thought Russ was going to win that. Luckily, we ended up finally backdooring the plus two and a half. So that was nice, that two-point conversion at the end for those of us that had plus two and a half. And he Dude, what sweat. Like Tommy's texting me. Oh, and my God. I'm going to murder. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> oh, damn it. Why did that happen? <laughs> oh, it was so mad. They came in and, and covered. It was glorious. Oh, it was so mad. Another backdoor. The Ravens backdoored the teasers, uh, getting blown out by the Chargers. Jeff, this game looked like a complete blowout. Um, Lamar Jackson is a guy who I said in college is the single most overrated person coming out of college into the pros. Even in the preseason, I was like, Lamar Jackson sucks. I'll actually draft Flacco late in seasonal drafts because that's how little confidence I have in Lamar Jackson. Looked like he was putting it together throughout the year. This is the first time we saw Lamar Jackson play a team twice, if I'm not mistaken. And it looked like the Chargers just straight up had his number and exposed him. So we know we saw what we saw. But what do we look for going forward with Lamar Jackson and his future in the NFL? I don't think he he has played in the most basic offenses you could possibly play at Louisville. Uh, where did he play college? Was it Louisville? Well, you were, look, you were looking at the same thing. Hold on one second. I just lost my internet here. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, it's just basic offenses. He's not a – to be a quarterback at the NFL level, you have to be astute. You have to be okay. educated. You have to be intelligent. And you have to be able to pick up – you know, you have to be able to pick up defenses. You have to pick up languages. You have to be able to do these little nuanced things that gives you an edge on the defense. And I don't think Lamar Jackson has any of those intangibles. And I think – what they did the last seven games, and he won, they were against shit competition. And I think that he doesn't have what it takes to be an elite passer in the National Football League. And if you're not passing in the National Football League, you're not winning. So no, good he luck. he looked lost. You know, they were showing the Chargers playing, uh, what, three safeties in the box? Mm-hmm. And he was just so confused about what was going to happen on each play. It was noticeable. They had ten men in the box. Like, and yeah. you can't. You can't call out of that? Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it's the most basic shit in the world, and they didn't do it. And also, John Harbaugh uh, did a disservice. He coached that game. The only reason they didn't bring in Flacco is because they have $26 million cap hit on him next year, and they didn't want him to get hurt. It's the only reason. The organization decided not to do what's best for them in the playoffs, and all these fans and all these idiots that think, like, oh, yeah, we'll just be back next year and next year. Everybody with the next year bullshit. No, you get one chance. You get a chant. It's like Tommy late at night with a lady. You get one shot. Don't fuck it up because otherwise she's moving on. <laughs> there's no other – there's no like, I'll get her later. No. It's now or it's never, and you put the moves on then. And for Harbaugh to coach that way was a selfish act, and he'll enjoy another year or two in Baltimore before they shit can him eventually. I mean, that was, that was one of the most insane coaching decisions I've ever seen, leaving him in for that long. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was texting with – Cynthia and Rob and you guys and everyone. It was just like, why is he still in? And I had Lamar Jackson props. That's how bad it was. I had props <laughs> on Lamar Jackson. It. And I was rooting for him to go out because I was like, they're going to kill the teasers. Like, just get him the fuck out of the game. He does not belong in here. He's overwhelmed. At least the two-minute drive that started at your own 20 at the end of the first half. I mean, 
put Flacco in for the drive even. Like, put him in for one drive. You could always put Lamar Jackson back in to start the second half if you wanted. But instead of taking the ball at your own 25 with two minutes left and running the ball twice, like, don't give up on the fucking game. This is what your whole season's for. I call it the, uh, the Strasburg syndrome. Right, like when the Nationals shut down Steven Strasburg when they had that real chance to make a run at the World yeah. Series, and it was just like, we'll be back here. Well, now you got all these extra in- injuries. You've never made it back. The Dodgers are superpowers. Bryce Harper's now not even there anymore, and you probably missed your one chance to make it to the World Series with that young core that you had, all because you thought you'd definitely be there next year. So I agree with you 100%, Jeff, that Flacco should have been in that game in the second quarter. Forget about the third and the fourth. The only time I thought it was okay – to leave Lamar Jackson in was when they got the turnover and they started at the 20, right? At the other team's 20, where it was time where it was like, all right, this is the type of offense you run down here. This is your little wildcat zone. So this is when you leave him in. And then he almost fumbled the first snap and they didn't score after that. He should have been out. But anyway, I think that was a terrible decision by them, but glad they backdoored it. And then my favorite bet of the weekend, your least favorite bet of the weekend. This was great for me, Jeff, because my brother's a bears fan and you're a bears fan. So I got to literally stab the bod and the mouth at the same fucking time on that double doink. And we had the Eagles money line. So, Jeff, give us your take on that game, what you thought. Um, I thought it was a good game. I think that uh, I had the Eagles plus seven, just so everybody's aware. Um, never, <laughs> nevertheless, um, I, didn't, I thought this game was going to go over the number. I thought it was going to be close, though. I did not like the fact that the Bears were such heavy favorites. Nick Foles is the real deal. And, I mean, I've studied this motherfucker for a while, and I've gone back ever since he became star last year. And we're going to talk about Kansas City, Indianapolis, guys, today. You know, last time these two teams met, you know who the starting quarterback was for Kansas City? Nick Foles. I have CTE. Nick Foles. He threw two touchdowns in the ballgame and and beat Indy and Indy. Nick Foles is a quality quarterback, and he showed me a lot. I thought Trubisky, they they played a vanilla game in the beginning. Trubisky – Gave the Bears everything he could to win that game. He brought them. He got them in the end zone when they needed it. He brought them in the field goal range. That's what a quarterback needs to be able to do. So I was impressed with that. Now, Trubisky's got a long way to go. Looks in too many, He looks in on his primary target too much. He cannot make a quick decision. But he showed me at the end of that game that he's able to do it if he just would trust himself, which means he's got to figure things out in the classroom. He's just got to go. He's just got, it's got quarterback. I played it my whole life. It's a reflex position. It's dancing. It's just boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. It's all just steps. And once you get used to that, once you believe in yourself enough, you it, you either can make the throws or you can't. He showed me he could, so I, I'm optimistic for him. Even though he played a shitty first half of the game, I thought the the gimmicks that the Bears have relied on all season long, they just didn't bring them to the table in the first half. And I think that game got away from them in the first half, despite going to halftime with a six to three lead. But Kudos to Nick Foles. You, you know, your quarterback, you got one chance. You drive down, best defense in the National Football League, on the road, hostile environment, you know, under five minutes in the game. You either make the play or you don't make the play. Nick Foles made the play and he won the game. Yep. Rob, what was your take? I'm just picturing a six foot seven, 123 pound young Jeff Manns playing quarterback. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. Seven. <laughs> Dude, I got a cannon, bro. Yeah. I, I do. I have a good arm. I, I throw, I throw six, it. 723. Six, seven, 123 is so good. That's great. That, that's how I picture him looking like a little, like a chew build stork. 
<laughs> now, I don't know this answer, uh, and I'm, I'm of the mind that Nick Foles won them the Super Bowl last year, and he's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Is he under contract, or is this guy going to be able to go somewhere? I mean, yeah. he, he can help a lot of teams. Obviously. He's making himself a lot of money right now because he did have contract clauses for, like, every the last three starts of the regular season. He got, like, half a million dollar per start and half a million per win. Uh, I'm assuming he had playoff contract clauses and all yeah. that stuff, or these carry through, but – the, the bigger question is, what do you do if you're the Eagles right now? Even if he loses this week to the Saints in New Orleans, no one's going to give a fuck, right? I mean, Eagles fans will care. But he could even have a terrible game, and I'm still going to have the same stance that after what we saw last year and what we saw this year, you cannot go in the next year without Nick Foles as your starting quarterback. I don't this care what you owe Carson Wentz. The Jackson conversation we just had, which these teams just make a decision. Carson Wentz is our guy. Shove Nick Foles in the corner. It's like – Guys, come on. You can't just be binary and make these decisions. Nick Foles is your franchise, not Carson Wentz. Yeah. Agree 100%. Yeah, agree. He's got an out. So he can get out of the contract. He can get he's out still, easy. Yeah. yeah, he's still under contract. But, again, he's a guy that they can get out real quick. He signed a, a, re-signed a team-friendly deal with those incentives in case he was a starter, and it's paid off. He invested himself and paid off. Every team that needs a quarterback in the NFL – should be going after Nick Foles. And I think it's going to be fascinating this offseason. The teams with the top five picks in NFL draft, they all have their franchise quarterback, at least theoretically, under wraps. So you're going to see a lot of teams trading up and all this. The availability of Nick Foles will be fascinating because if I'm an organization, I, and I'm a first or second year head coach who has to win now, I'm going to try to trade it for a guy like Nick Foles and build around him. And, you know, try to do all I can instead of giving up a lot of draft equity. So it's funny. It, I have the opposite opinion. I have I, – if I'm a team that needs a quarterback, I'd prefer Carson Wentz as my quarterback on a random team. But if I'm the Eagles in that system and that scheme with Peterson, I think Foles just happens to fit that specific scheme perfectly and what they do. So I think Foles will actually suck if he doesn't have an innovative play caller like an Andy Reid, a Sean McVay, a Doug Peterson – you know, one of those guys, and those guys already have quarterbacks. So he's probably going to go to a, a team that has a Mike McCarthy, Jeff Fisher type guy running their organization, and Foles is going to be shit. So I, I think if I'm the Eagles, yeah. I want Foles. But if I'm another team, I think Wentz is probably Remember more. Andy Reid's already had Nick Foles before. Right. He's right. had twice. Kansas City. Yeah, he's, had him, he's had a member stop he's basically been to. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I there's something to that. I mean, certain quarterbacks will thrive in certain environments, but I think that what the way they play football in um, Philadelphia is very basic. It's it's the only thing that's different is the play calling. They throw a lot on first and second down as opposed to the league average, which has actually gotten different in the last couple of years too. They, you know, most of the league used to run on early downs and pass and the Eagles flipped the script and won a Super Bowl doing so. So I, there's something to it, but I still, this is a guy, Nick Foles that, He's had a lot of success. He's getting paid. That's for damn sure. No matter what happens. And deservedly so. And he should be getting paid on the Philadelphia Eagles realistically next year. But um, So let's get into some of the gambling stuff here while we have Rob. So, Rob, Jeff, big call before the playoffs was hammer the Colts at 40-1. to This was before they'd clinched uh, in week 17. So we were getting it at 40-1. to Right, Jeff? Yes. This was actually – technically pre-week 16. Right, it was 15 or 16, right. right but 40-1, right. to one Tab, I know I have it. I jumped on it with you. I like the call. Um, I know a lot of our subscribers have it. I've gotten a bunch of tweets how to hedge it. Um, I threw out a couple of them before the playoffs. One or two didn't hit. One was Seattle, which is why I was so mad. The other one was the Eagles at 50-1. to one. 
So I have a 50 to one play. I know a lot of the subscribers have that too. Believe it or not, a chunk of our subscribers have both the Colts at 40 to one and the Eagles at 50 to one. And Rob, you've been on the Saints train from the beginning. Um, I think you got them at what, six to one or seven to one, right? Seven to one is my best number, yeah. Right. So I'm assuming this is what we'll kick to you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Expert. So I'm assuming the six to one Colts bet, you're just riding that shit out at least for another week or two, right? You're not hedging as an eight point favorite on Philly, obviously. Who's the expert, me or Jeff? You, you yeah. fucking idiot. We're talking gambling. <laughs> I mean, I know it's rare for someone. To, expert. Yeah, I know yeah. it's rare for someone to actually call you anything but a fucking idiot. But <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to boost you up a little, Rob, since you're obviously with two fucking industry dynamos, and you're probably a little nervous. So we're trying to like <laughs> yeah, give, you a little, give you a little. This is the up. opposite of every conference call we have, by the way. Yeah, I just give, you, give you a little fucking confidence here. Totally All right, so so Robert. What yeah. do you think? Obviously, you're not hedging Saints, right? No, no, no. I'm not hedging Saints. And Tommy, I get. I'm not kidding. Uh, it's sort of the time of the year where where these where these plays are coming to roost. Whether it be the national championship game or the Super Bowl, these divisional props, and everybody's holding something, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I had this uh, probably four questions a day. I'm getting now in the DMs about that's what your that's your that's got to be your high ever on your Twitter account, right? Four well, questions. I'm gaining steam. I am picking up wow. some steam. Yeah. Do you have that many followers yet? I didn't even know you had four followers. Well, I've got 9,000 and some odd because I, (laughs) people are just stupid. I don't know. I got to do a Twitter audit on you. I don't know. I don't believe that. (laughs) 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 Anyways, in my expert opinion, uh, my answer is always the same on a hedge. And I can, I can certainly walk guys through what hedge I would do. But if the amount of money invested is meaningful to you, then you should hedge it. If it's not, let it ride. Um, I think you're in a plus EV situation on that uh, on that play because I think they win this week. Right. So personally, I'm riding with that. I don't know what Jeff's going to do, but I'm just going to let that thing play out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the Saints is very different. Me and Jeff are in almost an identical situation, right, with the Eagles and the Colts because right. yeah. those are 40 to 1 shots. You know, I won't even speak from our personal perspective because – Jeff's likely to hedge it at some point and I'm likely to fucking double down on it at some point. Like that's just our personalities. But I think any saints bet you sit on right now, because like we said on the last podcast with Cheetah Rob, the philosophy that we seem to all three agree on. If you still love the bet, ride the bet. Don't hedge just to hedge. Right? So if you're sitting on saints plus 600 and they're minus 350 this week against fucking Philly, Unless you really think Philly's going to beat them, which is possible, you fucking ride it. Well, it's really simple math. They're minus 390, minus 375. So, like, there's somewhere around a 70% chance to win this game, right? So, you know, I'm holding, like, a plus 700 ticket. So, right now, I've got a 70% chance to have my 700 ticket move on. So, for me, it's pretty simple math. I'm just holding it. The other side of it is, obviously, you could probably get the Saints, I mean, the, uh, the Eagles plus 200 or something. So if you had a $100 bet on it and you didn't care to throw 50 on the Eagles money line, you know, and you're still good with that bet paying six and a half to one instead of seven to one, no one's going to kill you for that. But, you know, it yeah, really it's depends. I mean, right. It's, so, I mean, you're, you, could, you could do that. That's not a big deal. But that's not the question. The question is, and I'm sure, Jeff, you have a similar question, what do you do with your 41 Colts problem, right? Right. Yeah. Because, and I've been in this situation before. It's been a long time, but in 2003, I bet the uh, uh, Panthers to win the Super Bowl at 70 or 75 or 80 to one, whatever it was in Vegas. And what do you know that they, they went to the 
the Super Bowl, and I was I held the ticket. Not really. No, I wasn't in Vegas. Obviously, sports betting was uh, purposeless at that time, so I didn't know what the fuck to do. Like I really didn't, and I ended up just hedging it for five hundred, which of course, and I fucking lost. I won the five hundred, but it's nothing compared to the seventy-five to one. So that was a different time, and I was happy at that point. I was very happy. I was pissed at originally, but I'm like, at least I got something out of it, which is important, especially with a, a bet you've made that long. Um, but Colts at, at 40 to one here, a $50 bet that I have, what do you guys think I should do with this ticket? Yeah. So, so Rob, um, we'll group them together. Colts and Eagles. They're both in similar situations. They're both, you know, five and a half to eight point dogs. They're both paying 40 plus to one. Uh, what's the best way to do this? Yeah. I'm just looking at it now. So let's, let's use a, let's use a, a hundred dollar increment. So let's say someone bet a hundred dollars on it to pay 4,000. So the thing is, so the right now they're plus two hundred most places. Looks like mm. I'm seeing. Mm. Um, yeah. So so it's about a thirty percent chance to win that game, Jeff. So um, just the flat odds are saying that your ticket is going to be worthless after this weekend, which is where I get really interested in hedging the play out um, because the market's telling me that I have a seventy percent chance of losing my money um, this weekend. So I'm going to start hedging this play. Um, I'm probably just going to do it. And remember you, you can't do this on the spread very easily, right? You've got to do this through the money line. So, um, I probably start looking to take a piece of the, uh, the Kansas city, uh, money line here at minus two forty ish, depending on where you're sitting. It's probably, that's probably the play, uh, with the knowledge that you're 70% dog, uh, to lose your money right now. Okay. So, I mean, I guess it depends on, too, in this situation. Like, I have a lot of confidence. I have both these tickets, too. Thank you, Jeff, for the Colts one. But I have a lot of confidence that the Colts win this game. I don't have a lot of confidence that the Eagles win. I think they both can. I'm more likely to hedge almost clean out of the Saints one and let the Colts one ride a little bit because I really think the Colts win. So, in order to fully hedge, like the Saints one, they're minus 370. The Chiefs are minus 240. So if you wanted to clean hedge out, you'd have to put, I don't know, what, 4,000 to win 1,500, right, on that thing? Like how much would you hedge out, Rob, if you're him? Uh, I would hedge out 50% probably. And again, it's just a matter of if it's a meaningful amount of money. To a rich guy like Jeff, I'm sure it's not. You know, if you're somebody else who's holding – Yeah, but um, what if you're incredibly cheap? What if, yeah, he is incredibly cheap. What if you're rich and cheap? He's rich. It still is. The, it's just the value of money to you. So if that yeah, money so he's has not rich then by that standard, right? What if you're like Scrooge McDuck and have a room full of gold coins? Like, <laughs> then you don't that? hedge anything that you're in a plus even situation on. So is it, does it make sense to wait for an in-game opportunity? Maybe, maybe. Like right now, you're in a you're in a negative EV situation, Jeff, because the market's got you seventy percent to lose this bet. Right. So. You know, if you want to, if you want to think about it that way, you're probably going to lose the bet based on that market number. Um, I say you let it ride. Oh, I know, Tom. Tom is like fucking double well, down. Here's, here's logic to waiting till the end game, right? Like, I don't want to lay minus two fifty or something on a hedge, right. right? So we know that these young quarterbacks have all started slow in their first playoff game, right? Some of them never came around, like Lamar and Deshaun Watson, until the th- fourth quarter. So I think we saw the Colts start off scorching hot last week. I think we could see a situation where Mahomes starts off a little bit slow. The Colts get off to a good start. Keep in mind, you're also going to have a little bit of rust on the Chiefs. 
So I think if you could get lucky on this, and if you can get a Colts score early, like Colts get up 3 nothing or 7 nothing, then you hit the hedge button on minus 130. Yeah, I that's totally what I agree. I that's totally what I agree. You're risking the fact that if the Kansas City gets get out and you never see a hedging opportunity again. But, I mean, being that it's a fucking long shot ticket, fucking, that's what I would do. Let it ride. That's what that's I'm going to do. That's not a bad idea. And then, I think also that- hedge your hedge and bet Kansas City score first. And then if Kansas City scores first, you're hedged on your hedge. Holy oh, sheep shit. All right, I'm writing this down. The uh, hedge my hedge. Throw <laughs> all my money. Hedge. There you go. All your money. Throw all my money. Just double down on Colts? Is that what I'm getting into? Yeah, double down on Colts. <laughs> just take the Colts money line and just fucking I will it. say this. I think you also have to look ahead because the hedging opportunity here is good. I also – to Tommy's point earlier, I think that the Colts – this is the game they lose, and Rob said the same thing. Vegas looks at it that way. I think whoever wins between Chargers and New England, Indianapolis will beat. And I – that one I'm uber confident in. This is definitely the game that you're more nervous about, and hence why I would hedge. If this was a game against the Chargers or Patriots, yeah. and Rob's numbers would pro- likely bear that out, I wouldn't be as interested in hedging. I would you know, try to go forward a little bit and try to get more of a power play if I could and better numbers. I say, I say you sit on it. I say you YOLO the fuck out of it. Wait for an in-game <laughs> opportunity. Hedge it is. Yeah, and it's everything. <laughs> if you're listening dollars on this and stand the win four thousand, hedge the fuck out. And hedge keep out. in mind, anyone who anyone who's sitting on this ticket, you basically if it was a hundred dollar ticket to win four thousand, you basically can turn this ticket as a hedge on your Chiefs. You know what I'm saying? Where you could put four thousand on the Chiefs and then fucking you have at least some sort of a hedge the other way. So you just turn your bed around and you got somewhat of a little bit. There of are right now there are four people that know what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. I, like, personally, for me. You're spinning fucking yarn. I don't start fucking hedging until I'm one Dude, game away. Fucking, fucking Tommy is writing, like reading. Tommy's not a hedge life. He just, these are just I'm, words. I'm just yeah, giving Tommy's you Tommy's writing fucking iambic pentameter. And these people are like, I, I like the, the team in blue. <laughs> you gotta see the way i just text rob rob's like like last year with ncaa props he's like so did you hedge that i'm like here's what i did it's like fucking goodwill hunting on the chalkboard i was like so i took damian williams score first all right that's plus 600 if that doesn't happen then i got kelsey score first and i also have tyree kill score first if none of those happen the chances are that the colts scored first so, therefore, I could do the in-game hedge, and then it turns into a whole fucking – It's the whole beautiful mind yeah, thing. It's literally like I hedged it with three – actually, that's a good – I think I'm going to do that, actually, now that we just came to it. Stop. Um, <laughs> we, we. <laughs> I'll take all four of my favorite uh, Chiefs to score first, plus 500. And then if none of those hit, that means the Colts probably scored first, which means I'm going to have my in-game hedge. There you go. That's that's I'd like to be a hedge out of that indie bet if I were you. Yeah, just hold it, Jeff. Fuck it. You're two games away from the championship. <laughs> I mean, this is my life, by the way, everybody. This is the this is a real life scenario. I've got the angel and Rob over one shoulder. I got the devil and Tommy on the other shoulder. Just go for it. It's really not a, not, not advisable. It's very bad. I'm, I'm yes. My thumb in my mouth, like, I don't know what to do. Let it fly. Let it fly. Well, let's get into the games this weekend before Rob's going to go teach softball or whatever the fuck he's doing. Uh, <laughs> so we got the Chiefs minus five and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. Um, seems to be consensus. Five and a half, five, five and a half, five and a half. So it's around that range. And then the total sitting at 57, 57, 57 and a half. So we'll call it five and 57 uh, for the Chiefs Indy in Kansas City. Rob, what are your numbers showing us? What do you have this game sitting at? 
Yeah, I've got I, Jeff Mance is going to hate to hear this. I've got Kansas City at six and a half, so I've got them a little bit a little bit more of a favorite than than the market does right now. I make that total right at fifty seven though, mm-hmm. um, so I've got a very slight KC lean. I probably end up teasing KC to some degree, um, but yeah, I, I a little higher on KC than the market right now. I'm kind of surprised that Rob's cock didn't smudge, smudge the numbers more when he's rubbing it all over Kansas City on that paper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Six and a half. Where's the respect, Indy? (laughs) So, Jeff, what do you think? If you were forget the prop now, so let's throw the prop out. If you were just looking at this clean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kansas City's the right play, especially. Here's the thing: like, you get five or five and a half. Uh, Rob's right, even though I'm making fun of him. Is they're gonna like they're that offense is too much. They're gonna. I always look at this like five point doesn't mean shit when it high flying offense. You know what I mean? Indy can keep up to a certain degree, but if, if Kansas City's clicking and can't, if you like Kansas City in the game, five points doesn't mean shit, really. Yep. You know Especially I mean? on a high total. Totally like only, yeah, 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 high total, exactly. And you got Indy. Indy can backdoor cover. Luck does that a lot. So there's, but that's what you get in the playoffs. That's playoff football. You, you're going to get those kind of matchups. So, but I, I, at five points, as I'm looking at my lines right now, I mean, that's just an easy bet to make. Kansas City minus five. It's pretty easy. They're minus 220 to win on the money line, too. So they're a little lower than what you guys were saying before. Yeah, it, dep- yeah, it depends on what book, you, book you're looking at. But, I mean, I'm, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, Rob, we've talked about this a lot, that those points mean a lot more in games with lower totals, right? Like, if you have a 41 total on a game, five points is yes. tremendous. It's almost 15% of the fucking total or 12% or whatever it is. If you're looking at a 57 total, it's like 8% or 9, whatever the number is. So – so yeah, I think that I think there's two ways to bet this game. Honestly, I think if <laughs> as usual, just two. I, I, mean, I think you got to pick a side, right? Like if you're on the Chiefs, then there's a pretty good probability that they beat this number, right? Like the Chiefs are either going to come out and be the Chiefs yep. that we've seen before, and there's going to be no jitters, and Mahomes is going to be clicking, and they're going to be rocking at home, and the stadium's going to be going crazy, and they'll probably beat them by double digits, or they lose. I, right. I, I don't really see this being a teaser game for me. I don't see – I think this is rare. This will be one of the only games that I'm not excited to tease. I'll do it because I'm a degenerate. But <laughs> of course you will. I think this is either a Colts win or a Chiefs blowout. I think this goes double-digit Chiefs or a Colts win, one or the other. And I'm on the Colts win side. I'm really on this whole young quarterback first start in the playoff narrative, and it hasn't failed yet. There hasn't been one yet that has scored a touchdown in the first three quarters of play. Lamar you Jackson. Said, you said something that was really sharp, Tommy, and I don't know if you realized it or not. Oh, did I? Please yeah. elaborate. But the argument for not making this a teaser piece is the valuation of a point when you look at a total, right? Uh, so I lost you at that V word. What was that? Six points on a 43-point total is worth way more than six points on a 57-point total, right? Yeah. So there's a, a real sharp argument against teasing something that is this high of a total because it's not – you the value is not as high, right? Right. So 13-point teaser. No. What's <laughs> the six-point teaser? I wanted it even <laughs> Or even the pick up. Right. So, so Rob just told us to do four 13-point teasers. Okay. <laughs> so that works. So we're, we're all kind of in the same boat here. So let's make an official prediction. Give me a score, Jeff. Um, uh, fuck. Take your 40-to-1 um, prop out of your bias. Here. I know. I'm trying to. But I, I'm going to – Stick with Andy Reid. He's one and four in playoffs with the Kansas City. It usually works well. And this is a guy who I think he overcoaches in the playoff time. I think when Andy Reid gets more time, 
He actually – it's great during the regular season. I think he overdoes it in the playoffs. I think – I'm going to predict Indianapolis wins the game. It's going to be 31-28. to 28. Ooh, all right. You're definitely riding that ticket. Uh, Rob? So funny because I have one of these teams scoring 31, but it ain't oh. the fucking Colts. Um, <laughs> Chiefs 31, uh, Colts 25. 25? Fuck, what is – Well, you got to remember oh, my yeah. like 24. Versions? Yeah, his model says 24.8, so he's just rounding it. Just say 24 like a real person. I'm just rounding <laughs> real Stop human. being a robot. My projections say 29. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Cynthia about that a lot because she does the same thing she with Rob. She has a projection, yes. and she's like – it gets so she gets so pissed off because she'll have the score being like 24, 22 because that's yeah. what the computer says, right? right. And she's like, so you, know, so you got to kind of adjust it. Do I change it to real football numbers? And when the Seahawks game ended at 24-22, because I knew she had the Cowboys by two, and I knew she had a 46 total, I'm like, you changed that to make it real football numbers, right? She's like, no comment. So that's – Rob, you're sticking with your official score, right? Yeah, I'm not predicting a safety or anything, but I'm saying – Hey, dude, we're in the league of two-point conversions and shit now, so sure. it's not as right. weird. Yeah, because when you get a football square, you always want one five. Like That's yeah, always – everyone knows you want – The best one to get. So I'm going to go with uh, Colts 28, Chiefs 23. I think we're going to have a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think the Chiefs are going to struggle out the gate, and I think the Colts are able to win this without ever touching 30. So I actually like the under. So wait a minute. Both of you are predicting the Colts to win this game. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, smell I smell a wager, boys. And I, we already have a wager, Rob. We have yeah, a 40 half ticket. God, that was us Yeah, no, fuck you. Fuck you. We're totally biased here. I would rather eat my $100 than give no fucking it's not about the money there. Dollar. Then it's like, no, fuck no. Like you get, Tommy and I want to bet the book because the book don't judge. Yeah. Not Rob. I'll get that Rob screenshot in PayPal transactions. What's the price day. of our dignity? Like, yes. <laughs> My dignity is worth whatever more than this bet's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Except when I'm drunk, then it's worth zero. Uh, let's, go to the, let's go to the Saints-Philly game um, just because we were talking about it a minute ago. So we got the Saints minus eight at most spots uh, versus Philadelphia, 15 and a half total. Rob, what's your number sitting up? Uh, nine. I'm at nine on the Saints, so I'm just a point off a market here, and I'm leaning over quite a bit. I, I like the over in this game. Um, I've got it at 53, so uh, I'll have almost a full play on the over here. I like the over too on that. Uh, Jeff, what's your take on this game? Uh, New Orleans by a lot, and I, I like the over too. I think Philly can will score a little bit, so I definitely like it. But I, I think New Orleans. Philly defense was not tested in the entire first half. I guarantee you, first 15 scripted plays for Sean Payton, they're going to get in the box against Philly's defense. They're going to put so much pressure on the precious Avante Maddox and Crayon LeBlanc. These guys, Crayon they're going to the, the, the Bears just didn't do it in the first half. New Orleans absolutely will do it in the first half, and I think New Orleans wins going away. I do like the over. Ah, I'm so torn on this. I love the over. So at least we're unanimous there. So we are unanimous on the over. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm fucking such a narrative whore that this whole big dick Nick fucking God's on his side. <laughs> you just like the big dick part. Like, right? I'm just like, fuck, you know, like, God, this is, this is a tempting one. This is one I think you can tease easily. Um, I think you tease this both ways and you win both sides, honestly. I think this number is pretty good. Um, I'm going to say that the Saints win this thing. I think it does go over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this uh, 30-27 uh, 
Saints victory. Uh, give me a number, Jeff, for you. Um, I would go – I think it's going to be like 34 to 20. All right, so you think they're going to blow them? Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to take the points with Philly in this one. Uh, Rob? 32-21. All right, so you got double-digit victories, both of you guys. All right, so we're all consensus on the over. This is going to be – I'm going to have to wait on this because I may end up going Philly money line just to say fuck it, but we'll see. Uh, Rams minus seven Dallas, 49 total. Uh, this number is pretty much the same. I see a seven and a half here. I see an eight and a half at five dimes, but we got to ignore them. So seven, seven and a half, it's line sitting at 49, 49 and a half, depending on where you go. Uh, do have to worry about the Todd Gurley situation. So I think the two things to look at in this game, one, Todd Gurley's health for one, and Dallas being so atrocious on the fucking road. So Jeff, have you got any word on what's going on with yeah. Gurley? And he's in. He's going to play. He's probable for this one. Uh, came back to practice this week. Did some light work uh, today, as a matter of fact. And th- he's probable, though. He's going to play. So, But is he healthy? Yeah, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. Yeah, How healthy he is – well, here's, here's – I'll ask you a question. Was he healthy in week 15, 14, 15? I don't he, think he's been healthy for a while. And that's kind of I'm, I'm, I could get behind that. I think there's something to it. So I think he's as healthy as he's been. He's as well rested as, as he's been. Um, what the game plan is for LA coming in because they should just line up and use Todd Gurley and bang the boards against the run and and away they go. If they're worried about his health or they're worried about saving him, I, I get the the thought that they're not going to worry about his health because if let's say he goes down, oh they're not going to worry about it, right? See, I, yeah. I well, they think. did though. I I believe that the two games before he actually sat out, they weren't using Todd Gurley, and I was screaming. I'm like, right. I don't understand, including the Bears game. Like, what are you not – what do you – what are you not – why are you not seeing this? Run the goddamn ball at these teams. I don't – I just couldn't explain it. And uh, I just, it was defying me. So, um, I think they, they were doing that because he was banged up. And I, I think – but the uh, addition of C.J. Anderson and their faith in him the last two weeks, I think they say, all right, YOLO, fuck it. Go Todd Gurley, and if he if he can't hang, then they got C.J. Anderson, who they have confidence in. And uh, Rob, yeah, I mean, I've got this game pretty close to the number here. Uh, honestly, I've got it at forty nine total, and um, Rams plus or Rams minus eight. Um, so I've got a pretty strong Rams lane here. Okay, my concern is with the Dallas Cowboys on the road. Um, I'm going to err on the side of them running Gurley into the ground, even if he's not fully healthy. But if you've looked at the Cowboys on the road, they've been a complete fucking abortion. Not just like, oh, they're better at home. Like, this team has been terrible on the road. Their last road game was against the Giants, where they basically should have lost. You know, they, they lost that game. The Giants just handed it to them late. They lost to the Colts 23 to nothing on the road. They barely beat out the Falcons. I think that was on a last second field goal that they beat the Falcons on the road. They were tied with the Eagles on the road until the last second when they won. They lost to the Redskins on the road. They lost to the Texans on the road. They lost to Seattle on the road, and they lost to the Panthers on the road. So they have not had a single decisive road victory all year, and every single one of their road victories has been in the last three minutes of the game. This is not the same team. They are a totally different team on the road than at home. I did not want to bet on the Rams. I was, gonna, I was hoping Seattle would make it through, and then I was going to take Seattle in this game. But I think I am. I think I'm betting on McVay. I think I'm betting on the extra week of preparation, the extra rest on Gurley. And I think the Rams beat them by double digits. So wow. 
Yeah, I think the Rams. I just, I, I, this Dallas team on the road is just, it's atrocious. It's a different, different club. So, I mean, if you had to give a score prediction, Rob, what would it be? Uh, 21-29. 29-21? You want to yep. say it like a man or, or a woman? What did I just say? 29-21. You said 21-29. Well, I had it. Yeah, that's 29-21. <laughs> All right, so, so 21-29 for Rob. Uh, Jeff, what do you have it at? Yeah, 26-13 for me. Um, and I, I, I like to under a lot. I bet Dallas unders pretty much all the time. I'm on, I always, every time, if you know, they, they're nine unders this season and they were at the number another three, maybe four times. I think they're the fourth time was against Seattle. Like they, this team just slows the, the ball down dramatically. And so a lot of directions to go. My favorite play in this whole game is the under 49. Yeah, and then we have, and then we also have, you know, young quarterback in the playoffs here in Goff. So I'm going to go 27 17. So I think the Rams win this by 10. I think I like the under two. So are all three of us on the under, or Rob, you're at the. I'm right at the under. Yeah, okay. I'm right at it. Okay. So two of us on it, um, but we all got the Rams. All right. Oh, and shoot. I wanted, I should have done, I, can I go 26.42? Yeah, you can do that. 26.42. 13.3 repeating. Yeah, it makes you sound smarter when it does make you sound <laughs> so much I need all I can and get. He needs that. Trust me, he I needs need that. Ounce. Any tips you guys got to make me sound smarter? Give it. I've got a Saturday night special for us, though, Tommy. What's Uh-oh. that? Kansas City, Los Angeles Rams, six point tees. I thought you just said that we're not going to tease the fifty-seven <laughs> point game. You just came. No, up. I said you lose value, but I said well before that I am teasing that game because I wanted it. I thought up. I convinced you when I looked sharp. You can't fucking convince me of anything. <laughs> I convinced you. I convinced yeah. you to go to three extra bars the last time we hung out when you wanted to go home. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he sorry. always. That's because it's in our soul. You do the same with me. Yeah, I pull like, the devil out of you from your throats. Just reach in and yank it out. So, what is it, Rob? You have the Rams Chiefs. Rams Chiefs six point teaser. It'll be a very popular bet. Yeah, and I will not be taking it because the Colts are going to win. Uh, let's go to the last game here. New England minus four chargers, 46. I mean, you find me one person who has a really strong take on this line who does not live in New England. And I I dare you. Like, I think we're all sitting here going, yeah, the chargers could definitely win or the Patriots could flip the switch. Like they always do. Like Rob, what's the number you have on it? I would be shocked if it's too far off the number that we're seeing. No, absolutely not. It's dead on. Yeah. Right. Like, this is the teaser game, right? Yeah. Like, this is the one where you take the seven-point teaser, you do the Patriots plus three, or you take the Chargers plus 11 or whatever oh, it I'm is. I'm teasing like, anything. I'm teasing the Chargers up. Right. But, I mean, I, where are you leaning? I like the Chargers. I, You know, it's funny I say this because wow. I'm right on the number, and this is maybe more of a heart play than a, than a head play, but – I'm probably just going to take a small chunk of the Chargers money line um, mm-hmm. just because nothing makes me happier than Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in pain, and I like mm-hmm. the profit from that pain. That's, that's, I like the profit from your pain. That's why I do seven-point teasers and pray it lands on the six number and you push. Um, Jeff, what's your take? I am the exact – I'm the same as Rob, but I go about it differently. I profit from their pain regardless, so I'm not gonna. I'm. I don't want a monetary investment. Like if they're unhappy and they're miserable, I'm. I could be like. I feel like I'm holding gold bullion. You know what I mean? Like I feel so good. So I'm not gonna bet on that. I'm gonna bet into what the worst case scenario is for me, and that's New England winning. I'm willing to throw money away to be happy at somebody else's demise. Like I'm. I'm all about that. So I actually surprisingly, my prediction this game is right on the number two. 
and 20 to 16 New England. I think it's going to be a low, low, low scoring game. Mm-hmm. I like the under in this as well. I just think, you know, I just feel like New England's at home. The fucking referees, the whole – there's so many things. Belichick giving two weeks off. Brady and Gronk healthy. Um, you know, getting two weeks of rest before they you know, take the field. They'll be – you know, I, I just think they're going to be too much for L.A. I mean, you, aren't the Patriots just going to come out and pound them? I mean, come Probably on. This, fucking believe. this yeah. is what's going to happen. Like, we're yeah. going to see this. We're seeing – it's, it's, it's going to – if I had to make a bet on this, I think I would lean under – had to. Yeah, if I had to twist my arm, twist my arm. <laughs> twist my arm. I'm gonna go twenty-seven, uh, fourteen. Yeah, I think they win this by like thirteen points. The Patriots. Wow. I think they just fucking run out on them. I just, I, I, it's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. I, and I don't see any mathematical or logical reason why, outside of just that's what the Patriots do. Like, that's just what's going to happen. And you got to so, tease this up. And you know there's not going to be a single Charger fan in the stadium because they can't even sell out their home games, so they don't travel well. It's just Patriots and Foxborough this time of year. You just fucking – yeah, you can't – I don't think you tease it up, Rob. That fucking 11 is not safe. They, I think the money line has a lot of value, but I think this is similar to the Colts. I think either the Patriots run out on them or they lose. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's the same type of situation. It depends on which Patriot team shows up the one that we've seen recently or the one that we see every January. So I'm going to bank on the one that we always see showing up and the Patriots just putting that dick in that ass right there. Um, did you have a final score, Rob? Did you have an exact score prediction? Yeah, it's 26-22. Uh, 26-22. Fucking Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Is that three twenty-twos for you? <laughs> no, it was a 25. He 25. is <laughs> – Rob's score prediction is Y equals MX plus B to the third den- third exponent. Uh, so, Rob, we got a couple more minutes with you here. Uh, Twitter question. Which co-host is more distraught about the other co-host joining in? I'll ask you first. Oh, it's probably Jeff because there's, you know, there's so much pressure in doing this with me that, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's been so distraught about this happening and, uh, you know, it's happening before the radio show and everything. So I can't imagine how your day's gone knowing that this is coming. Down. Knowing that he's now the third, per- third smartest person on a No Mercy podcast instead of just the second smartest. <laughs> I just had Rob's word bingo, and I didn't know how many words you were going to get in. So I was, I, you're right. I've been very nervous about that all, all day long. It's all I saw. I was like, how many? What if Rob says eight words instead of six? What are we going to do? I'm assuming Jeff, Jeff didn't care at all. Jeff's like, put whoever the fuck else you want. No, Jeff. No, Jeff. I'm Jeff glad we're finally broadcasting this because this shit is like every conference call every fucking day of our lives. So at least now we, <laughs> at least now we don't have to go run and tell Rob, hey man, we just said this. <laughs> Here's another one. This I thought we answered this question before, but I don't know. Um, Buns said. I asked this question before, but of course Jeff Manns went on a rant and it didn't get answered. That actually seems plausible. That does happen. Very true. So would you rather predict the future or change the past? Rob, we'll start with you again. A future, 1,000%. Okay, why? Because if you can predict the future, you never have to work again in your life, and that's my goal. Okay. What if you can go back into the past and buy Bitcoin at like $2 and sell it at twenty grand? No, no, no. Because, you know, predicting the future makes everybody around you think you're a god. And I also want to be worshipped. Okay. Makes sense. (laughs) 
I can confirm Rob wants to be worshipped. Yes, he does. Well, I mean, someone who's never been worshipped by anyone <laughs> obviously has that desire, right? It's like how a virgin wants to have sex. It does. You know, it makes logical sense. Jeff, what about you? Change the past or predict the future? 100% future, yeah. I think I agree with Rob in every aspect of this. It's like the, the past is whatever it is, but yeah, I, you know, you could get the next Bitcoin, whatever it is. You could always know. You're always ahead of it without having to relive the shitty moments of your life. So yeah. And plus, I, yeah, I don't want to be younger. Like I have no desire to be younger or any of that shit. Like I really don't. I don't, I don't like the 25-year-old me. Fuck that. I like the 40-year-old me better than 25-year-old. The only positive of changing the past is I may not have ever met you guys if I changed the past. So that would have been great to never have to deal with you. Oh, and the herpes. And yeah. that too. Herpes yeah, and AIDS, bad. all of it. It would have been a fucking – Yeah, fucking it wouldn't great. burn when you peed so much. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, here's the last one I'll hit you with. I feel we need some cryptocurrency dialogue on this pod. Bitcoin, <laughs> altcoins, like – is that still a thing, Rob? No. Didn't I kill Bitcoin single-handedly? Jesus, I didn't even know that people were still trading <laughs> Bitcoins or altcoins. I thought this was a thing of the past. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I went on Twitter and said sell everything, and then it just disappeared a year and a half later. So I don't know. So are we going to talk any crypto at any future pods or no? Um, maybe. I mean, maybe it'll get interesting again. I, right now, I really don't give two shits about it. So I'm, I'm out. I'm all out the cryptocurrencies. All right. I'll take my W. Do you have, do you have a tip on what the next big thing is? Oh God! Anything, is there oh. anything that you're thinking about, or did you want to save that for a future pod? Sex no, robots. I, mean, I, I can't Sex drop robots. that podcast here. I, I've got to put it you on got... a podcast that Jeff Mans isn't on because he doesn't listen to those. Right. And that, <laughs> that's my good advice. It's the off season. I may start listening. <laughs> that's true. He's got nothing else to do now. You never know. Uh, I take much longer shits in the off season than I do. <laughs> here's a here's an interesting one, uh, and then you can go, Rob. Do you think esports will eventually become a staple of betting like the typical pro sports? And do you think esports athlete should be called an athlete? I'll answer the second part. No. no so the first athlete. part, there is a large esports betting market. Uh, Pinnacle Sports was the largest sports book in the world. They have a huge handle on esports. And uh, what's interesting about it is the games are corruptible because they're all on the computers. So people go in and DDoS them and do all kinds of shit mm-hmm. that corrupt the games. Uh, mm-hmm. which clearly doesn't happen in pro sports. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. as far as calling uh, a video game player an athlete, um, that's kind of like calling a NASCAR driver an athlete. Like, Oh, easy, easy, easy. I'll get Ty oh, Dillon up here to smack the shit out of you. Yep. At least they're, at least they're doing something physical. Sitting in the car? What? Wait, wait. Oh, God. I'm fucking totally playing this for Ty. Just no. fucking, yeah, you guys are. I don't know, Ty. We were kidding. We were kidding. For the record, I think NASCAR drivers are athletes, but I don't think it's because I. I don't think you have to be physical to be an athlete, too. Uh, so I think there's a mental aspect. But no, n- I'm no on the video games, too. It's it's not an athletic competition. It's a skills thing. If a video gamers, uh, then chess players are athletes. Right. Then and where does it end? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. end, basically. And that's the new America. Everyone can be anything they want. There's no rules right. behind it. But no, they're not athletes. But yes, I think we all believe in the esports boom. Um, it's, it's probably yeah, going to be way bigger than the Bitcoin boom, and it hasn't even started yet. If you guys think it's already started, it hasn't. This thing's going to explode. 
with this generation. Fortnite, baby. Rob's saying this while playing Fortnite on his computer. Mad. I'm actually playing FIFA in my left hand. Or FIFA. That's it. That's what he was doing the other day. (laughs) Playing fucking FIFA. Like, what is this clicking in your background? He's either masturbating or playing FIFA. (laughs) He's masturbating to FIFA. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. All right, Rob, get the fuck out of here. We're going to talk some DFS. All right. Later, boys. Later, Later, Rob. Thank God we got rid of that fucking guy. (laughs) All right, Jeff. And by the way, we weren't really kicking Rob out. Rob actually had a responsibility they had to get to. uh, Coaching girls softball. Yes. That's what I'm running with. You know, it was really a son's game, but I'm saying he coaches girls softball. Who knows what he – do we really know? He is one of the most mysterious people at our company. Here's one. Who's more mysterious, Rob or Ted Schuster? Ooh. um, The thing is, like, I know Ted for so long, but I don't – know him know. like it's right. and i don't think you can know schuster so i'm gonna say schuster's more mysterious because i don't think there is anything to know and things you thought you knew about him he will just change he's like all of a sudden he'll like what did he, he said something to me the other day about knowing some movie or something I'm like what the fuck how do you know this movie like you don't watch <laughs> movies or anything yeah i've watched it like 18 times like wait what so yeah it's stuff it's still schuster because he doesn't have a soul I think Rob's mysterious until you talk to him enough, and then he gets drunk and slips and tells you everything about his whole past and his history. <laughs> I'm going to say he's still more mysterious. So let's yeah. talk some DFS here, Jeff, coming into this week. Um, so we yeah. went over our bets and our predictions and everything. Uh, last week for DFS went good for me on one lineup. On one lineup, I just full stacked the Indy Texans game, and I actually would have won a lot of money in that game had Ebron caught that touchdown and then Hopkins caught the Watson touchdown that he missed. I think you remember which play I'm talking about when he had Hopkins wide open in the end zone and he missed through it. Um, Um, I would have got both of those. I would have made a lot of money, but unfortunately they didn't go my way. Yeah. Uh, I had one lineup out of eight sneak over the cash line. It was not a great outing. I locked, but it was like one of those things. I locked button Hopkins and Zeke and Zeke worked out. You needed him, but Hopkins didn't. Uh, And Hopkins would really, Kind of, I think mean, more than anything is Hopkins was less owned than I would have said yep. every lineup should have started yep. with him in my opinion he was only 60 percent and was he like, was only 60 I thought he'd be 80 or 90 yep. so we, you know we were fighting a little bit more of the competition we thought um so that you know splitting that doesn't work in GPPs I and mean, that's all I played this week right uh, as I try to get some some big money by the way I mean I got us I gave you props on the series show Tommy has really hit some monster playoff DFS weeks. Like, dude, I remember like oh, the Russell ago. Wilson and all them back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. The Russell does against cam, right? When yep, yep. I think Panthers won the game, but fucking like the monster you had. Some, I don't, my biggest hit ever in a playoff fantasy thing. I don't know if it was 10 or 15 grand or whatever. And I'm like, fucking like Bella ball. I'm big Dick Nick all of a sudden. And you had, I think it was six figures, if not, it yeah, was like I had six figures. I had like Whatever 120 and like 80, like pretty yeah. close to each other too. And I was, I was like, motherfucker. Like, sir. And I even told you before we were doing the show together, I'm like, come on, dude, come on. Can yeah. I even can I get my fucking, like, can I get my little props here? You had to fucking outdo me like that. But you, so you've had some monster playoff hits. Yeah. There is big money to be won. There is. Yeah. I mean, this, this past week, I mean, um, Kuti was one of my three receivers that were highlighted in red. So I highlight the guys. So he was he was on my best lineup so far. I had Marlon Mack in the top six. I had him ranked above Cohen and Miller and a lot of those other guys. Um, had no Hines at all. Had a little bit of Sproles. So I was on it. I just it just didn't mix and match right. Um, good call by you. What was it? Ed Dixon, I believe it was right. I don't know. Ed Dixon over Vinette. 
Um, yeah, that was a pretty good call, especially early on. But uh, yeah. but let's look at this week now. So okay. Oh, let me uh, real quick. I got to give Allen Robinson and Dontrell Inman. It were in the lineup that I actually hit with with Howard. Oh, nice. So like nice. those two guys. With Zeke was the one that I was able to cash out a little tiny bit with. So that was that was. The I liked A Rob a lot. I had Robinson on some lineups. Inman Inman escaped me. I had him ranked obviously because I basically ranked everyone, but I had him ranked at like thirteenth below Gabriel and Gallup and some of those guys. And so me miss I missed Kuti and Mac. I had zero because you have to, and people made fun of me. Like, dude, dude, nice call. It's like, dude, fuck it, I'll fuck off. You have to make bold predictions. You right. can't just say I like every human being. If you like everybody, you're not going to win anything. Right, you can't fit everybody in the lineup. So those are two of my stands, and both of them failed. Yeah. So I mean, I think it still shows that one, the one thing we learned from week one is that a couple guys that I thought were going to be much higher owned weren't in Hopkins yeah. and Ty Hilton. Um, both of those guys, Ty was like forty five percent. Hopkins was only sixty. I thought Hopkins was going to be eighty five, and Ty would be seventy. So totally you know, agree. Don't get too crazy. And then Melvin Gordon was like seventy percent. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Melvin Gordon, I wasn't on at all. Like, I had no Hines and no Gordon. Dude. So I, I thought I should have been balling when Gordon got hurt. Then he came back in. The Gordon thing was a specific contest. The higher dollar contest, he was owned a ton. And in the lower oh, dollar ones, he wasn't owned at all. That, that was – you don't see that kind of fluctuation. That was weird. Much. Yeah. When I saw him at 70% in the comments, I was like, what? Yeah. Wow. I didn't see him that high. I saw I was in the biggest dollars. Like Maybe even. I was looking at the Sunday only contest. Maybe that's what it was that oh, threw me okay. off. And I remember he was the, higher than I thought. The 333, I think he was like 40% or 50%. Uh, even that's and I was high. like, what the fuck? I was, I was blown away by it. Against the Raven, it didn't make yeah. any kind of sense to me. I didn't get that at all. So let's look at this week now. Um, okay. Obviously, at quarterback, we're going to see everyone loving Patrick Mahomes. But uh, who are you looking at here price-wise for this week? Oh, Drew Brees. Um, for sure. We can't forget the Philly secondary. It's not good. And I postseason and Monday night football is always those times when I am always baffled at why people think certain things. And then I hear announcers and I'm like, Oh, I get it. They're, they're brainwashing you. And when I would listen to that bears Eagles game, which I watched as a fan, I real they, they talked up Avante Maddox as if this guy was a fucking like Darrell Revis in his prime. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm like this, this guy's dog shit. The Eagles secondary is so bad. It's not good. And I understand they've done better in recent weeks, but that doesn't make them good. And the Saints, two weeks at home, Drew Brees, I'm all in. They are going to have to pass to win this game, even if their defense fails them and Nick Foles does go big dick Nick on us. That's even better for Brees. So for me, either to get a big lead, or to come back and maintain the lead if Philly scores. Either way, it's Drew Brees. So for me, it's absolutely him. There's nothing wrong with Mahomes, of course, but I'm I'm not going to have as much Mahomes because you and I talked about. I think he wins the game. I like them to score points, and Mahomes is always great. But I think the reason Indy has a chance here is because Andy Reid and a young rookie quarterback, and those are two things that are negative against Mahomes. You want mine? Sure. Yeah, of course. You ready for it? Uh-oh, you want to take a guess at it? I feel like it's contrarian. I don't know ownership. I can't see him. Nick I, Foles. I, no. It's, I do like Foles. I do like Foles. Part of the reason I like Foles is because you can't run on New Orleans normally, and they don't have a very strong running game to begin with. So you're talking about, you know, they're going to be in an up-tempo game. They're going to have to score. They're going to be on a fast track. You don't have to worry about weather. Um, I think Nick Foles is in my top three that I'll play the most, not necessarily highest projected. 
but that I'll have the most shares of. But uh, it's another guy. Dak Prescott? Tom Brady. Oh, okay. So Tom Brady's where I'm going. And the main reason is I think we're going to see James White poke his little head out of the sand and become fucking superstar 2.0 again like he does every postseason. Um, I think they're just going to fucking throw, 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 throw. I think it's going to be short passes. I think they're going to methodically just chew their way up and down the field. And I think Tom Brady's going to be a guy who's basically overlooked by almost everyone. So Brady's probably my guy this week. Every time we doubt the Patriots, they break down the wall like the Kool-Aid man. So I can't argue again. I think that the – in my opinion, the, that game's going to go under and going to be sort of methodical where New England's defense is going to play high. I've seen nothing out of the Chargers' offense, nothing, over the last four weeks. In fact, like I had last week the Ravens beating the Chargers, and I said that I stand by it. Chargers, I thought, were the worst team coming into the playoffs. The, I know they were tied for the number one seed in the AFC, but for my money, they were the worst team entering those playoffs. And I didn't see anything against the Ravens that really stood out. I saw a team that played for field goals that absolutely could not convert in critical situations. So I think it's just going to be more of a downtrodden game. But if Brady comes out and throws for 330 and three touchdowns, it's not going to surprise me one one iota. So I like it. All right. So that's my sneaky play. I do like Nick Foles a lot. Um, Just his price alone. I mean, looking at 5,400 on DraftKings, um, he's going to have to throw the ball 45 times, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't see a scenario – where they're not trying to keep up with New Orleans. And the only way that they have a chance of staying in this or potentially winning it is through Nick Foles and the, and the aerial attack because they're just not going to be able to run on them. So that's probably going to be two of my higher-owned quarterbacks on the weekend. I can understand Mahomes, but again, I don't love these kind of rookies making their first big playoff start. Like I, I, I just really worry about him <clears throat> Excuse me, getting off to a slow start in this game. Drew Brees I love, but I could also see the Saints are the highest probability to blow the other team out, in my opinion. I think the Colts definitely keep this game close. Mm-hmm. I, I could see the Saints just fucking running out and thumping them um, and then being a lot of Kamara and Ingram. So, yeah, so that's probably I where I'm going to go. What about Luck? What's your take on Luck? I love him. I always love Luck. Uh, I think it's great. Like Luck would be my second quarterback overall. Like, if I had to go – I like Breeze for all the reasons I mentioned. I like Luck because I think they're going to win the game, and I think that even if Kansas City gets up, he's a backdoor cover guy. We mentioned that in the betting segment. So, yeah, I like him a lot. He's just so steady that even last week he won the game but didn't produce at a crazy high level. But you look at it, he's like, all right, he's right in the middle of the pack or whatever. You know, it's, it's, that's where he'll be at the worst case. So he's, ne- he's never going to harm you. The question here, which dovetails in the running back, is why was the whole world seemingly on Naheem Hines last week? I mean, I never seen so many tweets about a guy who really I didn't even really think that much about. It seemed like every single person in the world was on Hines, and he killed their lineup. I know he scored zero, but do you think the Colts are going to be able to run the ball a lot on Kansas City and then the dovetail over to running back here? Do you think Naheem Hines appears this week? Like, what was all the reason why everyone thought it was going to be Naheem Hines? Because I, in my opinion, teams run their studs in the playoffs, right? Except if it's like a Sproles or a James White, right? Like a guy who has a history of being clutch in big spots. You know they're going to see the field more. That's why I love Sproles last week. I like um, White this week. But, like, I mean, that's what I saw. I always saw Mac this year as a guy who wasn't getting enough carries 
per game that he deserved until the end of the season when the games became really important and we saw him run the ball like 30 times against Dallas, 25 times against Tennessee. So it's like, I think this is the Marlon Mack show in, in Indianapolis. And what's your take on all this? The, uh, I want to address one thing. Darren Sproles, he was locked button for me last week. I used him in all eight lineups across the board. And you may say, oh, you know, he, didn't, he didn't work, and he did not work. Um, I mean, that volume was insane. The volume was insane, right? And the, yeah. the, the snaps and volume, he got four touches in the red zone. Like, I didn't. I got three texts in the first, I think, maybe quarter, quarter and a half of that game. Yeah. I got three texts from friends of mine going, holy shit, you were right. I should have played Sproles on every lineup. Yeah. It didn't work out from a right. DraftKings perspective, but dude had 13 carries. Like, you tell me yeah. Sproles is going to get 13 carries plus – whatever receiving volume he's inevitably going to get if he's in the game that much. Yeah. I'd play him in every lineup again this week. Absolutely. So that's that. Naheem Hines was simple. It was a chalky, low-priced player. The reason it was chalky was because Naheem Hines plays a fair amount, about 40% of snaps. They play him inside the 10-yard line a, a lot, and they mostly do that to show – the. Uh, show a viability to throw the football so they're not sold on the run. You know, mm-hmm. Andy didn't have to do it. He played zero snaps because they had a 21 nothing lead instantaneously. I was right? just going to say, I guess yes. it's, I guess I wasn't really on him because I saw the Colts winning. So right. I didn't see that being his yeah. game flow. I guess if you thought the Texans were going to win and the Colts would be playing from behind most of the game, then it probably made a little more sense. When I broke down the game on my in my write-up, I had Naheem Hines. I think he was a top-five play. He might not have been. But I had mentioned him as, you know, if they get down, if they trail, this is a guy that will get a bit of a more run. And he is used inside the 10-yard line. Now, that didn't happen. It didn't need to. And they didn't have many opportunities inside the 10 either. So it just didn't work out whatsoever for him. I think he's got a much better path this week. And the fact that he he burned so many people last week makes him much more intriguing to me. If Kansas City goes, you know, gangbusters and that offense clicks in the first couple drives and Indy gets down two or three scores, then we're going to see a bunch of Naheem Hines in there. And I think that could, could work to their favor, but um, yeah. So I like him better this week than I did last week. Okay. Yeah. Cause I saw a lot of sharp, sharp players tweeting yeah. about it too. Like it's not- because they're like, and that's yeah. the thing like, dude, I give you a lot of credit for this is you gotta have some balls in playoffs, man. That's why you've won the six figures. I've won a decent amount. You gotta make a stand, and the stand is going. You're opening yourself. It could look really bad. I compare playoff fantasy football and DFS to being inside the ten yard line as a quarterback. Your windows are smaller. There's not margin for error. You don't have fallbacks. There's, right. It's you either look like a genius because you had Kuti, or you look like an idiot because you faded Kuti. There's no in between. There's you either thread that needle and get the touchdown, or it's pick six. It's going the other way. That's playoff DFS. You've got to be prepared mentally and emotionally to do that. And when people – like the Heinz thing, they weren't thinking. They're like, oh, okay, it just – it checks the box. Usage, inside the red zone, yeah, touches, well, yeah. you know, all that. Like, okay, it's, this checks in the boxes. It was a safe play. It was – it realistically, it should have been an easy fade for people. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, for me personally, I think one of the tricks to playoff DFS is that you have to pick a game flow – Pick who you think's going to win. Pick how you see the game going. And then just fucking rock with it. You can't be like, if I think the Colts are going to beat the Chiefs, you can't hedge. It's like, okay, then I'm going to play Marlon Mack. You know, like, and I'm going to fade luck. 
and I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to take this path. What happens? Kind of like last week, right? Like I'm going to play a ton of Mac and I'm not going to play a lot of Hines. Like you got to pick, pick those upsets and then ride with the game flow accordingly. And that's, that's the way you win because everyone else is trying to hedge and play a little bit of everything. So, and if you play three lineups, you got to put these guys on two of them. So, you know, that's, that's really where you need to go. Like I see the Patriots needing to throw all game. So I'm going to be just loading up teams with Brady and White, Brady and Edelman, Brady and Gronk, and I'm just going to cover every angle on it. Um, and if I'm wrong, I lose. You know, but if right. I'm right, it's there it. you go. Um, other running backs here. At the top, we're looking at Zeke, obviously, 8,200. Todd yeah. Gurley's questionable. Kamara, Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, a lot of guys up there at the top to like. Uh, Zeke, you have to. It's too much volume. The problem, if the Dallas – Cowboys are in this game it's because of Zeke Elliott and there's no real other way to leave is going to lock down Cooper you know they have not been able to get the ball to Michael Gallup but there's nothing in the passing game that excites me for Dallas other than dump offs to Zeke and that's where that's where LA has been susceptible so to me it's just so much volume so much opportunity both no matter how the game flow pans out so to me Zeke is absolutely another week of him being a must own in DFS. Hard yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, it's girl hesitation. What do you, what do you, you're, you're, you're thinking maybe not with Zeke. What are you doing? No, I mean, I think he is, you know, I think he's, he's always a must own. I mean, you're talking about a guy who plays Zeke more than anyone. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of looking at my scenario for this game. If I really think they're going to sputter, if I really think they're going to struggle, you know, do I see them just throwing the ball a ton? So it's just a matter of talking myself into, was that mean Zeke's going to get eight catches? Because I really do see this being a lower scoring game than the number. And mm-hmm. I see the Rams putting it to him. And I see um, the problem with the Cowboys earlier in the season was they couldn't string together drives, right? Like, so that was hurting Zeke a little bit early on in the year. A lot of three and outs, things like that. Plus they played a slow pace. So now at this point, I'm just like, fuck, I want to fade him. I'd love to fade Zeke and Gurley because I think there is enough viability to play that. So talking myself into it is very difficult, but I don't know. I I think Gurley is going to end up being lower owned. Don't you? Yes. I think that it's funny how that works with a guy that everyone's at 11 K earlier in the season. We're like, well, you know, you still have to play him. You know, he has to be in. And now you get a guy, in a four-game slate, that's 8K, and people are like, well, you know, we could fade him because it's just funny like that. So, yeah, I think he'll be lower-owned for sure. He I don't has see to him. be, right? There's got to yeah. be people worried about the injury and et cetera. Oh, yeah. et cetera. So, so my logic is if I, if I feel by this weekend that Zeke's going to come in at, like, twice the ownership of Gurley, then I'm going to pivot to Gurley and cross my fingers and just hope he's healthy. Because I agree with you, Jeff. If he's on the field, they're going to fucking ride him. Like, you, you can't save anything at this point. McVay – it's a young, aggressive coach. He don't give a fuck. Like, he's looking to get a Super Bowl this year. So that'll probably be my pivot. If I find out that they're going to be, like, the same ownership, then that would mean Kamara is going to go under the radar, right? Like, so you can't own all three of these guys. No. Like, there's no way you can build a, a realistic lineup with, with Kamara, Gurley, and Elliott on your team. I mean, you could punt wide receiver all over the place. But, you know, that's what everyone's going to try to do, right? They're going to try and fit these three, and then they're going to start punting with Mike Williams and Inman and guys like that. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, what, what outside of these top three running backs, you would rank these, what, Zeke, Kamara, Gurley? Is that how you'd rank them? Um, 
No, I'd probably go Gurley over Kamara. Just okay. slightly. And where does Melvin Gordon fit in? He doesn't. Right. I don't Is like because you're worried about the injury or the knees, the game flow, Patriots forcing the ball. Like there's yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, I'm just not into Melvin Gordon, man. I, I I really am worried. He's just not as effective as he was earlier in the season. If it was the Melvin Gordon from week six, yeah, yes, then probably have him over Kamara as well. But I just I just can't get behind it. The price isn't bad, sixty two hundred. Right, he's cheap. That's now, actually right? not bad. He was seventy nine hundred just a week ago. The guy that I like the second most next to Zeke, Tommy, is Damian Williams. I love that kid. Like it's just you know fifty one hundred dollars. I don't know. I, it's, I, I'm sitting here the whole time we're talking, and I'm like, do I even show my emotion for him? But I, I have to because this fucking guy, I mean, he should be 100% owned. How do you not use Damian Williams at 5,100? Why is he 5,100? Like, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. Um, he's used in every single way that can, you know, he's the running back for the Chiefs. I don't know. And they gave him a big contract or a contract extension, not that big, but 8 million bucks is substantial. I don't know. Like that to me, that's automatic. I don't even understand why. I don't understand how you can fade him at fifty one hundred dollars. Uh, he pairs very well with Zeke. I mean, when you put him and Zeke together, what's that seven k for the the two? Not even six and a half combined for running backs. That gives you instrument. You know, Tyreek shares, Michael Thomas shares. All of a sudden, you get any receiver you want by using that combo. I agree with it. <clears throat> He's a guy I love. I mean. I've been playing him and betting his props since he first took over. So, yeah, I mean, Damian Williams is a great value. I like uh, James White, as I mentioned. 4900 for James White in the playoffs just seems, seems awesome too. for me. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of value at running back. There's a lot of running backs you could play here. Um, Sonny Michelle, a lot of people will play. I'm not too high on him. Again, you have Sproles on the turf. Should speed him up a little bit uh, in the dome there in a game where most people think they will be trailing. So it should be the Sproles show if they're playing from behind. So you have a lot of options here at running back, so make sure to stay tuned for the article this week, and we'll narrow that down to the main two or three we end up rocking with. Wide receiver position, uh, seems like a lot of people are going to try and get as many running backs as they can in and then just get whatever wide receiver they could fit. But is that going to leave Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill a little under-owned? Yes. Did you say Michael Thomas? Yeah. Or Oh, yeah, Michael Thomas. I, yeah. I actually was thinking – I thought you said a different receiver. But, yeah, I love Michael Thomas – uh, a lot. I love Tyreek. Like those are the two, my you know, favorite two. And I think that you can get cute and kind of go both of them. And, you know, um, I, I think Thomas is going to have to be used. I mentioned he, his numbers are so amazing this year, what he's done. And the fact that I really believe they are going to have to kind of establish him early and use him because it's Philly. Philly stops to run very, very well and they can't stop the pass. It just seems like, you know, an obvious play to me that Michael Thomas feasts in this one. So I, I love him to death. And Tyreek, when he talked about a guy who could break the slate, fading him gives me diarrhea. Right. I, I, the thought, thought of fading him literally makes me shit my pants. That's how nervous I get. I, in a four-game slate, he 35 points out of Tyreek. I mean, dude, I, got, I backdoored the fuck out of last week's slate with a 30-point Allen Robinson week. Right. What Tyreek Hill, if I'm up against 50 or 60% Tyreek and he goes for 35 and I faded it, <laughs> I don't know if I can get back from it. You know? It's just scary. Yeah, he's always scary to fade, obviously, especially, you know, you're looking at a price on him of 7,400. That's the lowest I've seen him at since, like, the middle of the season. 
Like, well, why not? It's only I don't understand. Like, I I don't get why he's so cheap. Like, I think you you bang back the Ty Ty combo right there and do Ty Hilton, T Y Hilton, and Tyreek Hill, and you're just fucking huge upside. T Y Hilton's sixty seven hundred. He was almost eight K last week. So I, I don't know why all these prices have gone down. It seems like DraftKings just doing another more dumb shit to try and fucking make it easier to set lineups. But I figure they'd learn their lesson on this by now. But anyway. Um, they, every wide receiver seems a little bit underpriced. Keenan Allen at 6,400. A lot of people played him last week. A lot of people got burnt by him. Is four for 37. Is this the game against the Patriots, or are they going to try and take him away? Is this going to be the thing Belichick tries to shut down? I get the feeling they're going to try to shut down the run game because New England had a real problem with it at the end of the season. They were giving up like six yards of carry. So I feel like the focus is going to be Melvin Gordon, and they'll let, you know force Phillip Rivers – to be on point and get Keenan Allen there. But that's not to say they're not going to roll coverage over. So um, I like Keenan Allen, but I like a different charger receiver more. Mike? Yes. Okay. Love Mike Williams. I, I loved him last week, and it didn't work out. He had 40 yards on two catches. I don't understand why they don't just force it to him. This guy makes one-handed grabs. He, may, he boxes out defenders. I mean, they're a double-digit touchdowns. You got it. If I'm Phillip Rivers, get him the ball. Just He's a guy who could dominate his matchup. And the fact that he doesn't command the attention that Keenan Allen will, I, I you isolate Mike Williams on the outside against any cornerback in the National Football League, and I think he's got a viable chance to come down with the ball. He's just a hulking, huge man that could dominate. So – you're going to roll coverage on the inside and have that safety attention to the middle. You have one-on-one on the outside, just feed Mike Williams. And I don't know if LA comprehends this or not. They do in certain matchups and then they go away from him in others. I'm willing to invest in Mike Williams though. I think he's my favorite charger play of the slate. Yeah. I don't have too many chargers. I love, but he's the only Mike, guy. Mike Williams is definitely a guy that I have interest in. Um, outside of him, I'll play some Keenan Allen, but I, I probably am with you there. I probably like, Keenan's got to see a ton of Gilmore, right? Yes. Uh, or no, Keenan, no, he's not going to see. Gilmore will be on the outside. He doesn't travel very often. I don't know. He kind of uh, I, You know, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't have to look into that, that more because that's, that's what's going to determine for me well, um, how, much, how much Keenan Allen's going to see him. Obviously, it's Wednesday, so we haven't done a tremendous amount of DFS research by this point. Yeah. But um, I like Edelman in this spot, obviously. My uh, sneaky long shot wide receiver is Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn's the guy oh. that, that I'm probably going to have a shit ton of. So, really? Yeah. I think this is a spot for him. Keep in mind, I do think that Philly's going to keep this close and keep New Orleans throwing. I just, I like Ginn in this spot. I mean, he came back, walked right in in week 16, five for 74. Uh, didn't play after that. I think he takes the spot back over, and I think he's got that big play upside that you need for a playoff fantasy league. It's pretty obvious that they need somebody there. You look at what the Saints have told us everything. They went out and signed freaking Des Bryant, didn't work out. They went out and signed Brandon Marshall, didn't work out. They tried Traquan. They tried Keith Kirkwood, Austin Carr. They've done everything they can to get that second receiver going in New Orleans. And it's time for us to listen to them. And I think you're right. They wanted Ted to get. Why do you why would a team use an injured reserve designation spot for fucking Ted Ginn. Right. He's obviously important to them for whatever reason. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that is a pretty interesting play. I didn't really 
I don't think go there. Around. But I love Breeze. So, I mean, this is a good, you know, this is a, that's a pretty good, because I'm fiddling with lineups. And Michael Thomas versus Tyreek, you can't really have them both if you're using Zeke. And I want to use Zeke. I don't think I'm ever going to take Zeke out. So if I have to fade Thomas or Tyreek, maybe intriguing to me to, you know, because I don't like anybody else in Kansas City. Like, that's, to me, it's a risk. I like Ginn and Tyreek more than I would like Thomas and Conley for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I, I like that. You know, that might be interesting to me. Yeah. That's, that's one of the guys that I'm in. Anyone else at wide receiver here, you think being a weird difference maker down cheap, any, I mean, Gallup seems to be a guy that just <laughs> keeps, keeps getting on. like six mm-hmm. or more targets, right? Like six, six, four, nine, seven, six are his target shares outside of the indie game when he had zero. Um, so he's getting the you know, opportunity Air yards, he pops up on that model nonstop because they throw to him deep a lot. He just hasn't been able to catch that bomb that keeps getting thrown to him. So is he a guy that pops up again? Is there anyone else down there that you look at? Well, I'd like to tar- – I want to target P.J. Williams of the Saints. Um, this game's going to be back and forth. So, like, Aguilar versus yep. Tate. And the thing is they both played in the slot, but Aguilar played more on the outside last week against the Bears, and Tate was used in the slot. So it looks like – they're both going to see shares against him. So I like either Aguilar or Golden Tate. Um, there's a lot of hype with Golden Tate because they had the game-winning touchdown and everything else last week. But Aguilar has been Foles' guy, was at times down the stretch last year at a good cha- uh, Super Bowl or championship game. And he you know, it was went to a couple times last week. I think Aguilar is intriguing. I think Golden Tate's in play too, but I want that slot receiver against P.J. Williams. That's what I want to target. And if we can get them at low ownership on a four-game slate, this is the kind of play I would play if we had 12 games. I would be – I would first thing I would look at every single week, Tommy, would be who's P.J. Williams against? Boom, I'm interested. And then, you know, go back yeah. from there. And a four-gamer, if we get 10% ownership, hell yeah. Hell yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, that's uh... – that's an interesting one there. It's, there's a lot of – the wide receivers this week, I felt like there were some more darts last week with upside than there are this week. Like a lot of the guys down here I don't love in the Dorsets and Rodgers and Hogan and Williams and Conley, Gallup's fine, Robinson, you know, Traquan, not really high on any of these guys, right? Whereas last week I thought there were some darts um, that we could take. So, yeah, it looks like it's Aguilar. It looks like it's Ginn. Um, those are probably the two main ones that I would be looking at cheap that I have a lot of interest in. Uh, let's move over to tight end. A lot of options at tight end this week. Obviously, we have Kelts and Is Earth. There? I mean, like, when, <laughs> do we, when do we see a slate with four games where we have Kelsey, Ertz, Ebron, yeah. Gronk? Like, they're all on the slate. So, yeah. uh, so rank those guys up at the top. First, let's start with Gronk. He's going to be 4,600. Everyone's given up on him. Everyone said he's washed. He's done. He's ready to retire. We saw a flash against, I think it was Miami, like a few yeah. weeks back, Touchdown. where he had that big game. But they got burnt in the end zone again. Dude, I went on a, I want a whole thing today. Is he live? Is he live? Sirius XM show, I went on. Yes, he's live. Uh, I talked about this because I have Rob Gronkowski for 2019. I already have my rankings up over at fantasyguru.com. So, like, I'm ready to go. And I have Gronk fifth. And I know he could retire. I know it's possible Brady could even retire. There's a lot of things. But, dude, he's 29. He's not quite – he's not that old. He's still in the prime for a tight end. He's still a physical dynamo, and I know he's been banged up and he's looked like shit this year. But I, I think going into next year, I'm very intriguing. But anytime you tell me Rob Gronkowski's on the field, dude, 
the same with every defense. The reason he hasn't been productive in a lot of these games is because everybody's focused on him. The, the Patriots just have not had other players step up and other options in the passing game that have established themselves to generate attention from linebackers and safeties. So everybody's focusing on shutting down Gronk, and they've done it well this year. But in any game, this is a guy who could pop off and get you multiple touchdowns. So I to write him off would be foolish in my opinion, especially when you're talking, what's he, third highest priced, I guess, to the slate, 4,600. I think it would be foolish to completely rule him out. So but you still rank him below Ertz, Kelsey? I still go Kelsey first. Okay, so Kelsey um, one. Who's two? Ebron. Ebron and then Ertz. I think that'll be the ownership too. I think you're going to see Kelsey Bro. come in at like 35, Ebron around 25, and then Ertz around 15, 20. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where it's at. I, I, Ertz is probably the least interesting to me, not because of anything wrong. There's nothing at all. I think it's less with Foles than it is with Wentz, even though it's, you know, he's still very – Goddard was very involved and on the field a lot. Oh, Goddard, just, I thought that was Ertz. I had I Ertz know, score dude, first. I, I had a prop on Ertz and Philly to win plus 700. Uh, I had an I Ertz touchdown prop. I fucking saw him line up. I was at a bar. I was kind of looking up. I saw a fucking tight end in the slot, catch touchdown, jumped up, went crazy, and then I was like, this motherfucker. Why is he not in the game there? I never – this is like the fourth time I've seen this. A couple of the other times, Godert didn't catch the ball. But, like, how are you in the biggest spot of your season and you decide to line up Goddard in the fucking slot instead of Hurts? I don't oh, get it. Oh, well, it fooled the defense. So I, mean, I didn't fool anyone. Hurts catches that too. Man, man up on a Yeah, but back. there's somebody else on him. No, man. wrong. Fucking chipped him. They would have chipped Hurts. Hurts has gotten a lot of attention from defense. Uh, That's why – I think Foles is just better looking away. I really do. So that's – it's not that Ernst – I mean, he's so great. There's nothing wrong. But like we said at the start, man, you have to make some bold statements. And I'm not going to have much Ernst this week. I didn't have much last week either. And it was – I guess it actually did work out technically. But um, – Oh, yeah, it worked out. I mean, if he – No that, tight end scored except for Ebron last week. And Goddard, there was only two fucking guys. So – right. That scored double digits. So and, yeah, and Ebron was what three for twenty or something last yeah, week. I know he hit. Well, he had, uh, he had another uh, drop. Nine point so. two out of his eleven point six points on the first drive. Yeah, and he <laughs> had a drop in the end zone, which would have which would have helped. But yeah, like yeah. no one did anything last week. Yeah, exactly. at the tight end position. So, oh, don't forget Hunter Henry's back. I was just, just going to say. Yeah. So from the punt position here, we have Hunter Henry back. He almost played last week. He's activated now. How many snaps is he going to play? Is he worth even a flyer on a fifth team, sixth team? What do you think we say out of him? I say absolutely not. I want every. I wish he would have played last week. I think he's going to generate attention. I think a lot of people are going to use him. There's always a possibility he catches a touchdown. But how, how many snaps do you really think a guy coming off of ACL surgery in June is going to get? I, I just don't see – them using him very heavily at all. Uh, so, eh, I, I think it would be a bad move for them to – I think he gets maybe a dozen snaps. You know what yeah, I mean? And maybe that's maybe that's a touchdown, and that would pay out, you know, three, four X's out. Okay. You're still not – you're still not. I, I hate when people do that. Like, oh, he caught a touchdown. It's like, well, if he yeah, had one for 12 and a touchdown, like, are you really – like, who gives a fuck? Like, but you just said – I mean, exactly. You got Kelsey, Ertz, Gronk, and Ebron all in the slate – Tight ends were so bad last week. 
Do you really think none of them are going to go for 20? Right, that's what I'm and saying. And then your, your 7.2 points is going to look like nothing. You, oh, you caught a touchdown. Okay, but you're tra- chasing 20, 18, and 16. Right. <laughs> your 7 doesn't mean shit. I don't think there's any interest there. I do have a little interest in Jarwin going back to that. I mean, if you guys saw the game last week, that was a game where, you know, they didn't really need to chuck the ball much in that spot, right? Like, we looked at the – the game flow of that didn't go as I had planned. You know, they threw the ball like 30 times or whatever the fuck it was, but I think Dak threw for like 200 yards or whatever it was. I yeah. think this is going to be a little bit different. I think the, the Rams are going to run out on them. I think this is a game where we're going to see Dallas playing from behind, and they don't know what to do playing from behind. <laughs> like They're like the, the Seahawks. Like yeah. They just kind of short circuit. So. If they got to start throwing the ball all over the place, I think we may see Jarwin a little more involved. I don't think anyone's going to play him because he's got a Q tag next to him, and he only had three for 15 last week. But keep in mind, this is a guy who we were high on because he had seven targets or more in three of his last four games. So I think at 3,400, um, the opportunity cost is a big risk, right? Because if you're playing him, like we said, you're not playing Kelsey, you're not playing Ertz, you're not playing Ebron. So you do need him to get you, you know, eight points. You need him to at least get you four for 40. So you're not sitting in a big hole. But um, I think there's some viability to it. I don't think it's the worst play ever if you need to squeeze them in. Um, or if you even wanted to play two tight ends and play a Kelsey in the flex or something, I'm fine with that. What about defense? Blah. Um, man. You're probably, like, you're probably targeting the New England game, right? Yes, I'm targeting the Patriots. I mean, 2,600 is kind of where I want to be. It's not too high, not too low. I just think schematically – they're going to have the answers for the Chargers. And I, I also think it's the lowest scoring. So there's that. Although, I mean, I, I'm not against the Rams. That's, and, where, and, that's where I'm going. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's only 400 more. It's not that much. But, you know, being healthy in a couple of weeks, this Rams defense is so freaking talented. They've got to be able to, you know, jump out and just go bananas one of these weeks. And it hasn't really happened in the regular season. The thing with Dallas, they play at such a slow pace, so methodical. There's not a lot to scheme against with Dallas. Dallas does the same things every time. So there's not much you have to comprehend there. And those the one-dimensionality of the Rams with Donald and Sue, Tlaib, and Peters, like they're, they've been showed up against with offenses like the Bears that are gimmicky and use a lot of motion and take them off their path. With these fundamental offense – offenses i think la could go in there and just dominate the game start to finish so i I definitely like them i think so too i think if they can get if they the rams defense depends on the rams offense if they can get out to a little bit of an early lead get dallas playing out of sorts instead of their fucking ground and pound that they love to lean on then you start to see dak taking bad sacks throwing the ball up where he shouldn't uh you start to see the mistakes pop out so so i think i agree with you there if you did need to punt with a defense who would be your punt, like dirt cheap, like Cowboys, Colts, Eagles, one of those three? Um, probably the – I usually lean Colts in this spot. Yeah, I always like the Colts. Um, pro- oh, man, they're all nervous. I would probably go Cowboys. I just think I'll, I'll side with the best unit overall. I think the Eagles are just going to get gashed open. I really do. So, to me, they're completely out. And I like the Colts. I think they could win. But there's always, you know, they also could get absolutely massacred. And if the rest of my team is in good shape, I would hate to get negative. I'll go Cowboys in that just because they are the best unit uh, overall. Oh, I want to say one other thing with the defenses. 
remember that the Rams, so uh, Tlaib and Peters, both played in the AFC West for a number of years, same place Amari Cooper lined up. So a lot of experience against these corners, and Cooper had not had a lot of good games against them. They had one big game against Kansas City, but Marcus Peters was he's either injured or suspended in that big game. So when you look at some of these matchups from before, just remember that. Okay. Yeah, I, that's, I, think, uh, I think it's the Colts just because of the narrative, just because I could see Mahomes being a little shaky and you know, Andy Reid doing some shit, putting them some bad spots and them turning the ball over a little bit. But realistically, when you're looking at teams like the Patriots at 2,600, you know, what's the need to save four or 500 bucks to go punt with that type of defense when you get a good deal like the Patriots in there in the spot? Um, let's get to a couple Twitter questions before we get out of here. Jeff. Finally, some fun. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> right, what the fuck are we doing? We haven't, we haven't been on a show together in like a month, and we're fucking like we're hammering. A lot to cover. The fans wanted to, they wanted to All this great info. advice, but no fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. I'm going to go through the Twitter questions here. You know what's going to happen is the, the, the reactions podcast could be, God, you guys were no fun after Rob left. And I'm going to – and you're going to call me, and I'm not going to answer the phone because I'll be swinging for my fucking ceiling fan. <laughs> that will literally Don't get in trouble for that. Eh? Didn't you already get in trouble for doing something like that? So oh, let's yes, not be – let's, yeah, let's not I'm be hanging sorry, yourself yeah. anymore. Uh, did Cody Parkey ever stop playing for the Eagles, Jeff? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. He looks like a nine-year-old, doesn't he? Like, I was like, that motherfucker. And then I looked at his face. I'm like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> like, he's a, he's a fresh-faced little guy. I don't blame Parkey. Like, I know he hit the upright, but the Bears need, should have got closer. The ball was also tipped. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors. I just look at it like a 47-yard field goal or whatever that was. That's It's no gimme. So, get closer is my – you know. And if he missed it, like, terribly, if he shanked or whatever, I'd be more pissed. Hitting the upright, fuck, man. I mean, what can you do? You hit it on the one side, it's go, it banks in. You hit it on the other side, it doesn't. It's – it's damned if you do, damned if you do. I don't mind it. Here's another one. Does Jeff Manns think Michelle Obama is a woman? Oh, my God. This is – I have talked to – I have not talked to you a lot since the holidays. No, no. I've been slammed. Texted, yeah. but, and yeah. you've been – I don't know where you do, but I don't want to – All know. over. The, uh, but uh, I have talked to a lot of our colleagues, a lot of our people, and everyone's like, yeah, man, Tommy G is crazy conspiracy. They're like, the one thing I don't get – Michelle Obama's a man. Like, is he serious? I go, that's the most thing I'm the most sure of. No, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing oh my God, in the world. People. Like, what they're are you people. talking about? You're such a fucking man. people. You're, you're, for one, why would what difference? Dude, is it, it, it goes into a deeper conspiracy. And it's so funny because I posted like, hey, anyone who has any questions for me, Jeff and Rob, hit the thread, right? And there was like 50 fucking questions that come through. None of them were fuck, marry, kills. None of them are fucking joking around. Everyone is either like real serious, like, hey, what do I hedge this bet with? And what do I do that with? Or conspiracy shit. And I'm like, guys, we're saving the conspiracy until we're out of sports talk. So I'm sure everyone's like, where's the MK ultra brainwashing and reptilian shape-shifting? I'm like, that's coming. That's not going to be with fucking Jeff Manns because he's a fucking Neanderthal. You don't have the brain to conceptualize that the whole, our whole entire lives are a fucking conspiracy. This is a bigger conspiracy, Jeff. Oh, my God. I believe that certain entities in government were literally procured to be there, and there are completely fake families. So I believe the whole Obama family was actually kind of not created in a Petri dish, 
that they hand selected. You're going to be president. You're going to be the wife. You're going to be the kids. And they're all, but so this Michelle Obama being a man is part of a much larger conspiracy. But if you'd like to just look at the little instances of Michelle Obama being a man, have you looked at the dick pics of Michelle Obama? Uh, what? Have no. you? Are you in front of a computer? Yeah. What are you okay, talking Okay, well, about? go Google Michelle Obama penis. No. Why, why do I know? For, here's, here's what I'll say. Like, I, you guys don't realize. I grew up in the na- two neighborhoods over from when, where Michelle Obama grew up. Like, so I happen Michael. to actually know Michael. people Michael that Obama. know her. No, you know people who know Michael Obama. <laughs> no, I don't. That's the thing. I actually know for sure. Oh, yeah, that- okay. You know someone who went to high school with Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck out of here. No, I swear to God. You're I- the only one in America then. What do you mean? None of her high school friends came up anywhere. Dick pic. No, I literally do. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Dick pic. Okay, I'm looking at this. Michelle Obama's. These are not photoshopped, by the way. Okay. Oh, can you hear this or no? Probably. No, you cannot hear this. Like, there's this thing going on. Oh God, no, not this fucking guy. Like this. All right, you're you're going way too far. You could have just gone to images. I don't need you to watch a whole yeah, video. Yeah, I'm watching a YouTube video. Yeah, just go to the fucking images, you asshole. There's uh, a million different things. One, there's not a single picture of her on the internet. Because Photoshop doesn't exist. No, these are real. The real videos exist. These, I've, I fact-checked this shit. I'm not like fucking one of these conspiracy theorist wackos who just hears something and goes and runs with it. I go and research everything. <laughs> you 100% are one of those wackos. No, I'm 100%. not. I research shit. I don't just take shit and spew it. You don't even, I spend 10 hours a night researching conspiracies. And I throw some of them out, and I believe some of them. This one's true. First of all, you can go from anything from her. Uh, and for men, their ring finger is longer than their pointer finger, right? That's like a male trait. Everyone knows that. Hers is substantially longer. The fact that she's like six feet tall. The fact that she has an Adam's apple. The fact that she has a bulge in every single video, whether it was her dancing on Ellen or walking out of the plane. There's five different videos of her having a bulge. The fact that none of her childhood pictures came out until a year and a half ago. The fact that there's not a single picture of her anywhere on the internet pregnant. Not a single picture anywhere, but she's got pictures of her wedding. She's got pictures of her kids. She's got pictures of high school. Not a single picture of her pregnant. And it goes into the greater conspiracy. And the fact that Joan Rivers went on video and said she's transgender. And then two weeks later, Joan Rivers happened to die in a routine plastic surgery, which she's had a thousand of. Two weeks after she said that and it made it on TMZ, Joan Rivers all of a sudden dead. And her daughter is still researching and fighting who wants the records of how she died because she doesn't believe it was natural or it happened in surgery. There's this, and now you add that to the whole conspiracy when you go into all the Obama stuff, where was his birth certificate, where did he come from, no one with that little you know, uh, experience has ever been elected president, you tie it all together, and the fact that their two children look exactly like their two best friends. Coco. Their two children don't even look like them. I also like have, two best friends. I think Nancy Reagan was also a man. Possible. I think I'll research it. I see I'm going to Google right now. Nancy Reagan penis. And just yeah, I'll research it. I'll do ten hours for you. <laughs> penis. I'll do ten hours. Absolutely amazing. Every notable presidential dick through history. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm a presidential guy. I, that's sex scandal. Google Obama kids real parents. No, I know. 
I, you'll see it's their so, best wait. friends. So let me get this straight. I want to make sure we get this straight. If a picture came out of Michelle Obama pregnant, you would claim, you would, that would dispel your thing. No, because it would have been out already because this has been going on for five years. So by the time this comes out now, no, that's someone who just fucking photoshopped the shit out. It should have already been there. This shit can't come out years later. Dude, go look at fucking Marty Nesbitt and his wife and the Obamas and the kids are the same. Like there's too many. That's the thing. I wouldn't believe it just if it was the bulge picture or just if it was the hands or just if it was the non-pregnancy picture. When Joan Rivers comes out and says on video, everyone knows Michelle Obama is transgender, drop it. And then two weeks later, she's dead from a routine plastic surgery, died in the hospital. Go look at that video when we get off air too. Then you start connecting all the secondary dots and all the secondary dots are there. Then you have yourself a conspiracy. I think you're a lunatic. I think you're an asshole. Yeah, I am, but you know, we'll be going deeper. I'm, I'm going to sell you. All right, Look, Rob, went, Rob went from where you are right now no. to 50-50 in Rust a two-hour phone call with me. So by the time we come on here again, I am yeah. going. I'm going to need you to open your Neanderthal mind. I will always open. Okay, the youngest pictures you can see anywhere online are from 2007 from the Obamas. Okay, I'm literally looking at it right now. Okay. One from so what I want you to do is open your mind to this, uh-huh. okay, and then give me 20 minutes on the phone to walk you through and um, sell you. And what is your percent right now? Zero percent? Yeah, negative. Okay, so I guarantee you, you give me 20 minutes. I'm going to have a whole big sales pitch on this in, in a month or so. I am going to get you to 20%. I doubt I, you don't. I was raised in Chicago, so I know. I don't care about any of that. No, it's all lies. You guys you're are the only one there. You're the only one there. Threatened by Midwestern. No, I'm, it's the internet. You're the only person who knows Michelle Obama from high school. Then, but no, I don't. I don't know her. But yeah. there's people that you don't know. You don't know. My people sisters know. know people that know. No, they don't know her. They grew up. Yes, they, they know that she wasn't a tranny. They know she wasn't a tranny. Really? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I you, bet you. I don't. I'm willing. If I were really to go in on this. I'm willing to bet that I could produce pictures and things like that. Do that. Do that. Because <laughs> I, I, that would I dispel probably... one, of, one of, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. the pregnancy thing was like the last thing I realized. Like I was already believing in it. And then I was like, wait, there's not so that So what either. would it take for you? Like, what kind of. Like, I want you to get a picture of her with her pants off. Oh yeah, that's that's no problem. Oh, you can pull everything. You live in Chicago. You should be. Able I said to do I could have. <laughs> if you're talking about 1983, when my sister, I think that's how old. I don't even know. How old. Find me someone who slept with her. That's what I want. You know, all these people. Find me one person who slept with her, and then I'll believe you. All right, I'll, I'll work on it. I don't All think right. I can. Well, that's your mission. I mean, by the, the way, I'm not going to go to you. I'm going to go to Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> no mercy, man. I'm going to 2020. Yeah, you're going to TMZ with that. Yeah. Oh, I, get, I get paid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Any final words for these fuckers? Uh, Michelle Obama's a woman. Okay, Michelle Obama's a man. <laughs> for Jeff Manns, who's questionably a man. We're not 100% sure of that either. I am Tommy G. Good luck. Stay cashing, motherfuckers. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Oh.